0: That is today's guest, Sean Pebbles, public address announcer for your Cleveland Cavaliers graces across the Cavs today. Excited to have him on. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. It is 2.34 on Wednesday, April 21st. We are four and a half hours away from the Cavaliers facing the Bulls, trying to get their revenge from Saturday in what was a highly contested game. We're not going to be talking about Cavs-Bulls. It will be a fun game tonight, as it was on Saturday. This time, it should be fun for better. But a special guest on today's Across the Cast, we've got Sean Pebbles, the public address announcer for your Cleveland Cavaliers. Usually, that would be you saying that if I was coming into the game. So, uh, an honor to introduce you today, Sean.
1: Well, thanks, Zach, and that was very
0: well done, so. (laughs) Thank you. I do some PA, and I've done some basketball, but definitely, I got some work to do to get up to your level. There's no question about that.
1: Well, that's, you know, we've all got to start somewhere, and, you know, obviously, everybody's journey is a little bit different, but, uh, you know, you never know.
0: You never know. Indeed. And uh, so, you know, Sean, uh, from what I gathered uh, doing some research, you were a PA man for the Erie Bayhawks back at the end of the 2010s, uh, end of the 2000s, early 2010s. So fast forward six years from your last day there. Opportunity comes open for the Cavs as Olivier Cedra heads to Brooklyn. And so what was the process like to, uh, becoming the Cavs PA announcer?
1: The experience, the uh, it was unexpected. That's probably the best word that I can say. I was uh, in the midst of coming back from a, a hurricane relief trip in September of 2017 when I got notified from a friend back home about the uh, about Olivier heading out to Brooklyn and that Cleveland was now looking for someone to step into the chair. And I thought, with all the experience that I had in Erie, and you know, being a Cavs fan. Uh, pretty much since I was a kid, that hey, this is this is a pretty cool gig, you know, an opportunity that doesn't come along often, and I would definitely like to take a stab at it. And I did, you know, I got home and I applied and submitted whatever content I had, and just hoped for the best. And I got a chance to come over and do a live audition inside the building, and uh, came back a few days after that, did a mock game. And like a week or so after that, just because it was so close to the start of the season, I uh, had a phone interview, and we ended that conversation with them ultimately offering me the gig. And it was just a moment for me personally, professionally, like everything all just came together wrapped around that blanket of June of 2016. It's that feeling that you had when they won the title. Is this that feeling of just literally everything just came together. And I I could barely get words out of my mouth other than the word yes of course of taking the position and it's been a, it's been a heck of a ride you know we're already um, you know I'm already you know approaching the end of my my fourth season here and it's been it's been an incredible journey so far
0: now, no question about that very fun to listen to you and obviously so I'm very I've yet to get a home game so I catch all the games remotely through. All, all sorts of, of sites and link pass and NBA TV, et cetera. So it's always fun because some PA announcers, you don't really hear their voice coming through the broadcast. We always got yours loud and clear. So that's that's, that's a uh, tip of the hat to the entire organization, obviously to yourself for having a voice for TV.
1: Well, I, I, I do my best, you know, I, I try not to make it uh, overpowering, you know, in, in arena. And, uh, and obviously it's nice to know that you get, heard on on the TV airwaves as well and, and I actually being my biggest critic I actually will go home and watch the replays back of the game so it's nice that I can hear myself because obviously every every game for me is a learning experience to you know hey you know what can I change about that or how, you know what happened here or, and just just hear myself work through a game and and again just critique myself to just continue to get better as the the games and the seasons move along.
0: And Sean, what would you say is your favorite part of game days? Obviously we got a game today after we, uh, we finish this, you'll be off to a production meeting, but what's your favorite part of, of uh, Cavs game days?
1: Just being with everybody. And that's, that's both the, the, the team that I work with uh, on game presentation and as well as the players and the coaches, it's, it's a family here. And, you know, the all for one, one for all mentality. It's not just a slogan. It's, it's a way of life here. And that's, that's what I look forward to most. This is, this is another family to me here, and I love working with everyone. And it's so unfortunate right now because of how things are and people are spread out. There are some people that I have been used to being around and seeing and fist bumping or hugging or whatever, having a personal conversation with over the prior three years. But uh, this year has obviously been very different because you don't get a chance to really be around everybody the way you're used to. And um, so, yeah, that's that's definitely what what matters to me uh, the most on game days is just getting a chance to walk in those doors and, and be with my my Cleveland family.
0: And the answer you give is basically verbatim, and I'm not surprised. You know, I've been a Cavs fan. I can only go back to 2003, born in 95, Cavs fans since three, But what you said is almost verbatim of what uh, John Michael had said. And he said about the organization, he said it the first time he met Byron Scott, who was the head coach when he first got the radio gig Hi. in – 2011 so just great to hear that it's been fun to hear you on the mic but yeah obviously you don't know if I'm, I'm personally for myself whenever I go whenever I go to a game my goal is always to try and you know get down 30 40 minutes early say hi to an announcer or talk to someone at the game and obviously I haven't been to any NBA game this year but things have been different so all in all though small crowd limited attendance how has that changed kind of maybe not your preparation because you know, you're still going to come in and deliver, but how has it kind of change the game itself from your vantage point?
1: You know, for me, from my vantage point, it doesn't really change much of anything because as you just pointed out, it, like my preparation, as well as what happens when the ball is moving, it's still the same, whether we've got 4,000 in the building or we have 20,000 in the building. So, and obviously it's, it's different in some ways because of the, you know, the crowd noise and, You know, the lack of being able to have our performance teams like on the court and a lot of stuff is pre-recorded and things like that. So those are obviously things that, you know, we're not the only ones having to deal with. I mean, that's across, you know, the the, the sports world in general. And, And, you know, we're doing the best we can. And again, going back to the team that I get a chance to work alongside every single night, they do an absolutely incredible job to make it uh as authentic and as entertaining and as special and as memorable here in 2021 as they did in 2019 and 18 and 16 and going all the way back you know 51 years since the Cavs started they uh they they have an outstanding team of people uh behind the scenes putting together every single game night experience and when the game is going again I'm not really focusing on what's happening in the seats and whatever because obviously I've got the job to do that's on the floor but It it feels authentic. It feels real. And, you know, and it's like I said, it's something we're all accomplishing together to put the best experience out there, uh, you know, for the fans in attendance, as well as those watching from home.
0: No question about that. And it's great to see you guys still going strong. It must have really stung, I guess, last year when, you know, you still had a month left and World is just so uncertain that the season ended. So I guess then you you probably came in with some new energy, right? First day of the season probably felt like you, I don't even even know what to compare it to. It probably felt so great to just finally get back. It felt like forever. Cavs are one of just eight teams that weren't invited just because they weren't in Zion's conference last year.
1: Yeah, and, and nine months was a long time, you know, from from early March until December. Again, I wasn't around anybody here. And, you know, you had a chance to send some text messages and maybe a FaceTime, you know, from here, you know, here or there. But not knowing when or, you know, what the logistics were going to be to start the season. And ultimately, it all came together. And this season has gone very, very well. And, um, yeah, it was it was definitely a, a different time for all of us, you know, both, um, you know, that here in the building as well as the fans, because that's what I am first and foremost is a fan of the game yeah. and to watch things happen the way they did. And, um, and how that affected teams that didn't make it to the bubble, but then huge credit to the NBA for making the bubble work the way it did. It was an outstanding, outstanding amount of basketball and it was very entertaining to watch. And, you know, ultimately we, you know, we did crown a champion and, I'm uh, I'm just excited that we have at least moved past that and now we're into you know a somewhat sense of normal as far as gameplay goes and talking about playoffs and 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 everything else for the NBA. They've done an outstanding job of really making this work this year and hopefully though as we move into the next season, you know, we kind of get back to not only having the fans in attendance but having like the you know the floor area looking the way we're used to with you know fans all around and the boxes and the courtside seats and just all the other components that you're used to at a game night that you are not experiencing right now, but we will hopefully here in due time.
0: No question about that. I, I very much welcome uh, that, that change for next year. And
1: yeah. you mentioned, Especially, especially since all-star is here in Cleveland next year. That's right. I, I, I want it. I want everything to be 100% like the
0: way it used to be. So. No question. I'm excited for you. You know, next year is yeah. going to be great, but let's, let's, take a little, uh, let's take a little magic carpet ride back to the 70s and the 80s. So mm-hmm. you mentioned that you've been a Cavs fan basically your entire life, Sean. So do you remember how I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you remember your first ever Cavs jersey that you got as as a kid?
1: Mark Price. It's the only Cavs jersey. Actually, I did I did own I did own a LeBron James jersey in like 2000 you know early 2000s um which I still have it. It's at my at my parents' house, but Mark Price uh, was my first jersey. I still have his jerseys, and he was and will continue to be my all-time favorite, not only Cav, but player of all time.
0: Mark, great guy. I was able to get Mark on the show last March. Terrific individual I mean, mm-hmm. great shooter. And I'm, it's good to see because – or it's good to see that he's still so relevant because there's so many of those great players from the 80s and 90s just because they didn't get to a finals that might not get the national attention. So it's always great to hear whether it's Jeff Van Gundy on a national call when the Cavs are playing or anywhere else. People still love and respect the game of Mark Price. And I just feel like there's so many forgotten names from the eighties and nineties. I love that he's still so relevant. He's a great player, man.
1: Yeah, amazing. and it was great last year. And unfortunately, with how it was, you know, interrupted with the Cavs' 50th season last year, where we did have celebrations of of eras. And that that Gundarina era team, uh, you know, I got a chance to do the the intros for those guys, you know, uh, you know, with Elo and Doherty and Nance Senior and Mark and uh, you know the list went on and on and on of players from back then so it was it was great to to be a part of that as well as the early years and we were working our way up to like the championship era and stuff like that and then you know the the rug got pulled but again it was it was awesome getting a chance to see all these legends come through last year as part of that celebration.
0: In the realm of PA announcers, Sean, are there any from your youth that you remember listening to that kind of really kind of got your passion up for someday wanting to be the in-arena MC uh, for a professional basketball
1: team? Um, well, you know, obviously I grew up with the likes of, you know, Howie Chiswick I mean, he was always the one that that when I would go to games, that that's the one you remember as a kid. And then even going into my, you know, my adult life and, you know, being a dad of two, two girls that, you know, have been going to Cavs games since they were Peanuts you know, being around when when Olivier was here and and everybody that, you know, when when the arena first opened as Gundarina uh, in 94, um, you know, people from back then. So there really wasn't anybody that I particularly aspired to be because to be honest with you, I didn't think I was really gonna have a a career like this happen for me. I was was a mobile DJ for a long time and I did the radio thing and whatever. And, you know, you would reference my position in Erie and that just, that came along by accident as well. They, They knew that I... Was comfortable speaking to crowds and whatever and they needed somebody to fill in that night for a game and i had never announced basketball before i mean i had done one announcing event in my life prior to that and that was in 1998 and that was a gymnastics competition <laughs> and i have never done basketball so they asked me hey can you do the games and i'm like sure and this was you know the nba d league even before it you know ultimately became the g league you know the the, the, the league that it is now um but I'm getting thrown into an NBA level game, you know, three hours after being asked to do it. So I'll, I'll be honest. I, I didn't really think that I was going to have this little track in my life of being a public address announcer anywhere outside of what I was doing in Erie. It was just kind of like my, my game night responsibility with the team. Cause I was in the front office doing sales and I did game operations and stuff. So this became kind of like my game night gig. And I thought, well, when the Bayhawks, you know, are, are done eventually, which they did just, you know, uh, they did cease their operations just a week and a half ago and are no more. But I thought that would have been the end of my PA career. And then again, when the Cavs opportunity opened up four years ago, I thought, well, this, this is a perfect thing because I've done well with it in Erie. I absolutely love the Cavs. I mean, I, everything about me is Cavs. And so this is a perfect fit. So I, like I said, I'm going to take a shot at it. And, and it obviously, it worked out for me. And I'm, I'm blessed and humbled every single day that I get a chance to drive in to town and and look at this amazing building sitting behind
0: me. Yeah, I've got another great one on tap just a few hours from now. But so your first year, Sean, you know, the, the Cavs found themselves in the finals for the fourth straight year. And so you got to run through something that only two PA announcers get to do every year in the NBA. And that's the entire postseason because while broadcasters do come in and handle the games, PA announcers still get the opportunity to stick it out because, you know, they're there. It's a different type of role, but did you feel any added expectation? You know, when you were calling those playoff games versus the regular season games in your first year.
1: Um, being a being a fan of the Cavs, it was hard to contain myself of the the energy and the the atmosphere of the arena during the playoff run because I had been going to playoff games the years prior, as well as the finals. You know, for the prior few seasons. Uh, as well here. So being a fan and you're, you're obviously all in, and I was trying to keep that compressed being in the chair, you know, in the 18 playoff run. And, and I think I did a relatively good job with that. I mean, there was a couple big moments, you know, game five against Indiana and in round one, you know, LeBron hits that, you know, hits that three to beat the Pacers. It comes running over, jumps on the scores table, literally right in front of me round two against Toronto game three hits that that floater off the backboard. Again, same thing. Comes running over, jumps on the scores table in front of me. All, you know, both of those moments, I'm trying to announce the, you know, the review from the officials, just making sure the, the basket's counted. So just being in that type of moment for me was like, wow, like I if, it, if this is the only chance I ever get a chance to to do this, this has been great. And 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 then obviously advancing to the NBA finals that year was something that people doing this job for decades never get a chance to do and I was so blessed to get a chance to do it in my first season here and what was what was crazy is I started the NBA season as well because Cleveland opened the season against Boston so I was the I was the PA announcer that first game and then fast forward all the way to game 4 of the NBA finals uh there I am sitting there you know introducing the Larry O'Brien trophy presentation uh to end the season and for someone in their first year it was and then everything that came in between, it was it was a heck of a ride uh, for my rookie season. And I like I said, I I, I there's just so many things that I, I will never forget. And, uh, and like I said, being the fan really kind of helped uh, you know, keep me going. But like I said, I had to kind of keep it squashed down at times, too.
0: Yeah. So in one sense, you're kind of like Tyler hero where, you know, you're a rookie, but then all of a sudden you have these big playoff performances, you know, when he had, I think it was 35 against Boston in the conference finals, then he's one of the rare rookies that's a lottery pick and a relevant role player to go all the way to the finals. In another sense, you're kind of like Michael Jordan, although we're not, we're not talking about 1989, Michael Jordan, all the other years where first season, I think he averaged almost 30 a game. You're kind of, you're there every single night. You're putting up numbers. Although there's no stats, I'm not sure how to, how to hypothetically stat your performances, but you're kind of bringing in that MJ effort, right? You're there on the very first day of the season. Everyone knows exactly what's going on. You're there on the last season. And in some cases, you know, you don't win, you, you can't win them all, but you able to present the, the trophy at the end of a first season, got to be, I, that's the dream right there. Because it's, it's unfortunate because not every team makes the playoffs. And then half the teams that make the playoffs have an immediate exit. Another half of them lose before the conference finals. But there you were, sticking it mm-hmm. out with a team that was in a great position. And so I just – I guess I, I applaud the the fact that your first season kind of has a lifetime of memories in there.
1: Oh, and and there's so much more to that. I mean, there were obviously records broken that year, milestones. Uh, and then, you know, the, the the people you get a chance to to see, you know, coming to the games and meet and everything else. It was – for me, it was – it was definitely, like I said, it was hard to – to really just be there uh, and, and not, like I said, jump out of your skin at times because of just because of the atmosphere and the environment. And again, it was a truly incredible run in that year, my first year. And, um, and I I'm so excited, you know, for um, you know, for things that hopefully will be coming up, you know, down the road here. And, you know, and obviously the, another big thing coming, as
0: we just mentioned
1: is all-star next year. And I'm, I'm very excited about that opportunity as well.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, to catch all that uh, next year. And, you know, we've been talking about some of the highs. Maybe this is a low, maybe it's not. But everyone that's ever called a sporting event of any kind has run into a a name that in real life in the classroom, the teacher probably abbreviates because they can't say it. Their friends call them by the one letter that it starts with, so they don't get it wrong. And so my question here is, Sean, the top five toughest names you've had to say in your four years with the Cavs. Cause I know right now, you know, you got Fiondu, Cabin jelly. Uh, that's a bit of a tough one. You've had three on Tetacumpo brothers all grace the court at, at some point, you know, you had uh, Alexei Pokushevsky. And luckily, you know, the, we thought Ogalskis was hard. The Cavs had Martinis Andrews kavicius back in the day, but uh, <laughs> who were some of the, wow. toughest yeah.
1: yeah. You went deep on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I not not to not to really sit here and toot my horn, but I I haven't really had to have a, a struggle with any of the names, and that's that. Going back to what we talked about earlier with preparation, I mean, I spend and hopefully I'm pretty sure this applies to everybody on the NBA level or really any level. If if you really care truly about what you do and you don't want to make yourself look silly, is you do your homework and you don't wait until you get to the venue to say, oh, hey, what's this? How do you say this? You know. And if there ever is a moment like that because they pick somebody up on a 10 day or whatever and I'm and I just didn't catch it. I mean, yeah, there's there's people that I can go and ask, you know, PR people or assistant coaches, but when when it actually flows out in in a live moment, I'm I'm pretty accurate with it. And that's that just goes back to just me wanting to be 100% prepared to do a professional job. I mean, because that's what that's what the Cavs hired me to do and and I'm sure if you were sitting with anybody, you know, from any, any NBA team, they're in the same boat. We know we're all saying the same names at different stages during the season. So I'm, I can't really think of five just because I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident whenever I crack the mic, which is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's definitely a good thing because like I said, I don't want to be in the moment and trip over something because once it comes out, you can't get it back. And I, uh, I, I try to try to avoid that at all costs.
0: Yeah, and the re- another reason I mention this is, <clears throat> as you know, some of the times I've watched games over the last couple of years, I don't always have uh, have John, you know, or or Tim, I- I've had the visiting broadcast, and I think I've gotten four different Hartenstein, I've gotten Hartenstein, I've gotten Hartenstein, not everybody's got the, the the J and Jetty, they're still saying kind of ch- uh, seti or ch- Chetty, mm-hmm. it- it's funny, because it- whenever I see, whenever John uh, posts his pregame uh, tweet, you know, I always see... His spotting board is, I think, one of the best in the league because he actually he doesn't have the spelling. He has the phonetic spelling. And I think that more people, I should probably, a lot of people should start doing that. But I think that I'd say the Cavs are great A when it comes to pronunciations because I don't think maybe, you know, and then I don't know every now, I'm just another fan, but I, I try and know all my pronunciations. I think there's only been one time in, in two years I've heard any mispronunciation on the Cavs side. And there's a billion names out there. They just, you guys don't miss know this yeah. Stephen A mean he don't miss that that's right there with you guys
1: and again that, that goes back to preparation and homework I mean you mentioned what John Michael does and um, you know and I'm I take you know probably a similar approach you know we want to make sure that you know when we're speaking that it's that it's right and it's clear and it's precise and uh, and chances are you're probably going to say it a few times during the night. And, you know, you want to make sure that it's good. And and phonetically, I'm always writing stuff out. If there's like, if there's some on there that I'm looking at, like, okay. And then we get the media notes and I can look back at the the visiting team's pronunciation guide, or, you know, just kind of reconnect with the PR people. And most of the time, like, they'll come on, come over just to make sure like the guy from Golden State came over the other night and, you know, Kavon Looney, for example, um, you know, he's he's like, Hey, just a reminder, you know, I know, you know this, but it's not Kevin. And I know it's Kavon. You know, so there's just little subtleties in, in some of these names that if you look at it, you're like, oh, that's what it is, but it's not. So you, again, doing preparation and then I will phonetically write stuff out just to make sure that, you know, when I say it, I'm looking at it and that doesn't even apply to players either. I mean, that, that applies to really anything that would, you know, come across in a game script for me, you know, whether if it's a, you know, a, a season ticket member of the game or, you know, a particular you know a guest coming in that we're doing a recognition for. I'm always asking to make sure we get the the phonetic spelling of a of a name, so that way, when it's said, it's said accurately and, and properly.
0: And also, what's really cool about the Cavs versus other teams, you guys kind of have a two man show. So you got you, and you have a Mod Crump sort of kind of co announcing in a sense. Where, but, but from what I've seen, you guys play really well off one another. And so, what, what's the report generally? Because in most cases, you know, PA would cover both starting lineups. So you cover the intro, you introduce the visiting team with the, and now starting at point guard number six, and then, then you go over to Ahmad uh, who does the Cavs.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I love Ahmad. That that he is he is Cleveland as far as I'm concerned. The guy he's you know he's been here for so long. Uh, he's so well loved in this town and he's uh, incredible at what he does. And I I love him like a brother. And again, he's one of those people that, you know, I don't get a chance to see he's up upstairs on the, you know, in the Budweiser Brewhouse area on the upper level, I'm down at floor level. So there is some, a couple of times we've done these minute to win it, you know, in-game promotions where I'm interacting with him and the mascots, but, um, yeah, he he is he is sensational at what he does. I, I can't I can't compliment him enough for his talent, for his energy, for his love for this city. And it's it's an honor and a privilege to work alongside him because again, for all those years before I got a chance to work here, I was just a big fan of his. You know, whether I was here or if I was watching it on TV, I mean, it was like you knew that Cleveland was here uh, to get the business done because of Ahmad Crump and and he did he just does an outstanding job of getting everybody just revved up and, and ready to go. And uh, yeah, there is no one better in the NBA to do what he does than him. And I'm so happy to be here with him.
0: And every time he says, Cavaliers, I know we're ready for a great game. And it's honestly like you, you get to a point where in your daily life, you can't just talk about the, when you when usually we'll say Cavs, but when you say Cavaliers, you can't just, you you're going to hear a mod in your head every time you bring it up in conversation. I just think it's great. And for you, it's awesome to be worked with. I think it's great that he just kind of leaves an imprint in our minds that every time we talk about them, we can think about it so excitedly. we got a great team name and a voice that's making us love being a fan of the team with that name.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. A great great father, just a great human being. I, I have, Like I said, I love him like a brother.
0: And as a huge Cavs fan for so long, you know, Sean, uh, Matthew Delvadova, Coming back, I remember the trade, December 7th, 2018. Remember, December 6th is when he was traded. December 7th, I believe, is when the transaction became official. Three days later, he makes his debut. So, you know, being a fan, I know you were around with the Delhi chance. you know, the hospitalization after the incredible game three and the, the runner from the foul line that kind of sealed things. How exciting was it for you to be able to be a part of his return, announcing his entrance into that game? That he came
1: out. Uh, it, it, it's it's exciting even now. I mean, even every time Delhi comes to the table and checks in, and I and I announce him entering the game, I mean, people go bonkers. And and obviously, you know, he had his concussion, and then he had his appendix issue. And you know, when he made his return this year, and I got a chance to to in, you know intro him back in, it, it was the same type of reaction from the fans. I mean, and granted, we're much smaller in regards to capacity right now but it felt like 80,000, you know, when, when I introduced him back in uh, to the lineup. So uh, I love having him here and he's got uh, he's done so many great things on the floor here and he's going to continue to do great things uh, both, you know, off the floor, you know, in what, whatever capacity he decides to, to continue to follow, you know, once his playing days are over, but he is definitely one, one of those people here that will live on in, in Cavaliers legend for, for years and years and years to come.
0: And I'm glad to hear that because he's been my favorite Cavs since the day he got on the team. And I'll be honest, it's funny I say that, and you're probably like, Del huh? more than everyone else? Yes. Well, that's, no, it's around the Cavs. We all know, we both know how loved he is and how funny he is to watch. For me, it's because, you know, again, I didn't watch him in college. I actually did not know who he was until he got to the Cavs. But I remember it was uh, when he made his first start. And he started to kind of endear himself to me personally. I love the way he played. You know, I just, I love those guys that kind of come in, chip on their shoulder, undrafted, have to work for everything, you know. And he did that. He had some uh, some huge games. He led that comeback against Detroit. We were down 21 and Dion hit the jump shot at the buzzer. It was my wallpaper on my phone for years. That that probably my most watched <laughs> video clip after the LeBron shot in 09 up until that point. And so, when he got traded back for me, you know, I mean, I have his Bucks jersey. It's very rare. I'll get a Cavs jersey of a guy once they leave. And I'm a fan of basketball. My, as you see, I'm wearing a Kyle Korver Hawk shirt today. See that? Yeah. So I'll, I'll go all over the place with my collection, but Delo Vadova has been my guy for so long. I had the Deli one sneaker for two years before I wore through it. Unfortunately, I was scared to wear it because I didn't want to wear through them, but you know, it's, it's just so exciting that he's back. And hopefully you know they're able to make it work beyond this season but whatever whatever does happen and i'm sure you feel the same way sean it's been so nice to watch him back and i know his three point shots not there but when you could just say three deli i it's that that never gets old for me
1: no and i and that's i love i love saying his name no matter what it, no matter what he does on the floor it's it's always an exciting moment and and he is the true like uh, image of what cleveland is and that's just hard work and hustle and just don't let anything hold you down or hold you back and the guy just he's a warrior he's a fighter and uh i love the fact that he's that he's here and uh he's he's exciting to watch every single time he steps on the floor and again just a an, just a great guy as well and and i'm i'm very excited for you know for him being here and you know him and his family and and uh looking forward to seeing uh, you know what what lies ahead for him
0: the only thing I disagree with is I don't think he'd want to call himself a warrior given where his career has currently gone just quite literally based on, but yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe not the right
0: word, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he is. No, yeah, he's he's he's, he's,
1: a, he's, he's definitely a hard worker.
0: Um, yeah. When, when uh, the, when the Cavs name came about in 1970 from the, from the whole naming contest and everything, Matthew Delvadova is, is what the winning entry had in mind. The guy that plays just like him gets on the loose floor, gets under people's skin with Al Horford getting ejected from that playoff game. And I think Taj getting attacked as well. You know, never thought he's a dirty player. He just plays his tail off, makes big plays. And at the end of the day, how can you not root, root for him? And I mean, honestly speaking, it's very rare that a player who didn't play in the first, what, 50 games, 48 games of the season this year, had as big an impact as he does. Cause you could ask anyone, and, and we see this in the media, you ask any guard on the Cavs for the last three years since he came back. Del was in their ear, talking to them at timeouts. I know Darius has said that this year in Collins. It's just so great that he's back because you could tell how much he wanted to be on the floor.
1: Yeah, and and when and you just said it, when he's on the floor or off the floor, he's coaching. You know, he's he's working with the young guys, he's he's doing his part, even when he wasn't even in uniform yet. He was still in street clothes on the bench and, and interacting and talking to players one-on-one or, you know, with a group of them or whatever. And they obviously respect him you know, because of his experience and how hard he works. And again, he's, he's just a, a true Testament of what hard work is all about.
0: And so uh, away from basketball, that's a great way for to lead me into the next uh, point here, Sean. So outside of basketball, what is Sean Pebbles all about? What are some of your other non-cavalier interests?
1: Um, well, I, uh, I enjoy just spending time with, with family and friends, doing whatever we get into doing. I mean, I love traveling. I love sports. I love playing them. And, uh, you know, basketball and golf are probably my two main ones. And I enjoy amusement parks. I'm a big, big roller coaster nerd. I like, you know, when I get a chance to head to Disney and things like that. Um, but a lot of my life, you know, centers around, you know, family and, uh, and my friends. And, you know, just getting a chance to just enjoy you know the days that i'm i'm given to be able to spend time with them and and whatever that day brings I'm, I'm happy and just blessed to be able to do it and um as far as other things i mean i guess this is uh this 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 obviously this opportunity here in cleveland is uh is something that i i really love and you know i know we're you know we're rolling up into the the spring and summer months and there's going to be that period of time where i'm not going to be over here doing that but it, it always follows me everywhere i go i love talking if I see people with calves swag on, I'll stop and chat with them. So that's always a, a good thing to do. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just uh, I'm pretty much a what you see is what you get kind of guy, that just uh, that just enjoys every day I'm given, and I uh, I try to have as much fun as possible.
0: And when you play, Sean, so first all, I guess I guess I don't. There's no measurement, I guess, since you're not on the active roster, you're not on a ten day. What, what's your <laughs> what's your height? Are you a guard? Are you a big man?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm six, three, about two twenty. So, uh, I could probably play, a maybe a decent two, three. Um, but whenever I was in high school, I was actually listed in the program as a guard forward and center. But of course that was, <laughs> that was, let me see, that was uh, a long time ago. We'll just leave it at that. So, um, but yeah, I, I used to be kind of like the one that would like to try to go and get to the rim and whatever. Now I'm kind of a more of a, I'll look to distribute and maybe kind of keep myself 15 feet out, you know, you know, you know knock down some jumpers from out there i try not to get down and entangle with the with the big tree so much anymore because i'm'm i'm those I'm, I'm no spring chickens so my body can't take it
0: <laughs> yeah i know well said you know if uh, i'm 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 not quite six three not quite 220, but i you know you got to play how you play you know it all depends on the game if if you see you know you you sometimes you're never gonna say it during the game you might find a mouse in the house that you're mashed up with then maybe get a little closer but if not you know just play your game, man. You know, I, for me, why I love basketball so much and where my whole passion for basketball started with the Cavs and everything is just, you know, when you're a kid, you, you find one thing to cling to, right? For some people, everyone's got something. some people just get their heads in the book. Some people just fall in love with a computer when they're four years old playing with Pablo Sanchez in backyard baseball. And some people just uh, step out to their backyard they got a little hoop there and then just start firing up shots. I did that when I was two or three, you could probably find the earliest picture in my house as uh Just me, little, can't even reach this, a four-foot hoop yet, but that's always been the thing. And then you go out, and it's really kind of meditative at the end of the day. Even if you're tense, even if you're talking trash, all else, and why I love basketball, and I love the Cavs every night, and I will in four hours, Sean, maybe you agree, is it is meditative because – you're playing, you're distracted from everything else. You're just focusing, okay, how can I help my team win? How am I going to get point A to point B? And I just, I love it. Of all the sports, you just lock in. And until you get to 11 or 15 or 20 on whatever you're playing to, you're thinking about nothing else. And for right. me, it's, it's perfect.
1: No, that's and I'm, I'm with you on that. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great game. I haven't been playing it that long. I didn't get turned on until, until probably like the like fifth, sixth grade level tried out in seventh grade middle school eighth grade both years got cut like okay i guess i'm just not cut out for this but ninth grade i eventually made it and then went up and played you know varsity and stuff in high school and um then went to college i didn't play in college but did a lot of intramurals and a lot of pickup ball a lot of playground ball like i've done it all over the years and i I try to get out and play you know when i can um but again i also have to be very selective on on how on how hard i go how how deli i go uh, just because it, it takes a little, little extra time to bounce back the next day from, you know, from getting out and playing because it's, it's hard to dial it down and leave it there when you're used to playing you know, at a high, high pace all the time. Um, but you know it's, it's very therapeutic and I love getting out and just, just the competition and, and playing.
0: Of course. And so right, my last question, then we will wrap it up here. Sean, if you had to compare yourself to any calf, past or present with your style of play, who would it be and why? Oh boy. Um, well, I, I obviously
1: Mark would probably be my first answer, but I was not a point guard. So I, <laughs> but but I, I was a pretty darn good free throw shooter. I can tell you that, and I'm and I'm okay from from outside. But from a from that perspective, no. If I had to go like current roster uh, with a player, I would probably say Jetty. You know, like that that three four type of role that just you know gets rebounds and, and can shoot, can get to the hole and whatever um going back over the years maybe like a gerald wilkins kind of guy craig elo um and uh maybe not quite i'm going to kind of go back like to the mid-2000s maybe like larry hughes type okay um yeah so obviously and obviously without the explosion to the rim you know being able to finish you know with the with the with finesse with a dunk or anything like that because it's been years (laughs) since i've been able to do that but i can still hang in other ways
0: okay so you were kind of like a little larry senior in your heyday
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've been pretty, pretty effective on the block, you know, with a little baby hook and things like that uh, that I've kind of uh, perfected over the years. But um, yeah, I mean, I've all, all those skills like that you would see from a two to a five, not necessarily from the, from the point guard roller. Cause that's ball, ball handling is probably my, my worst feature. I can totally say that. And, any, and anybody running a scouting report on me, my left hand is terrible. So if you want to guard me, guard, guard me on
0: my left. Right, well, when the NBA, uh, when, when everything is normal and there's a 30-team roster and they're, they have to make cuts for the NBA PA League, I will make sure that your scouting report is out there so that they can make their decision wisely.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Thanks. I off.
0: appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, that's going to do it for us here on Across the Cavs. You have been listening to Sean Pebbles. If you don't recognize the voice, well, you got to get to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse ASAP. Sean, it's been a pleasure, and I appreciate your time today.
1: No, thank you. This has been great. I appreciate it.
0: So for Sean Pebbles, I am Zach Weiss. For Across the Cavs, you can find find me on Twitter, at Across Cavs. Find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get it. Hope you enjoy the episode. Coming back soon.